everybody, and welcome to the Black Health Podcast. I'm Mercy, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Khadijah and Matthew. And we have a special episode for you all today, and we're joined by an amazing guest who you're excited to welcome and introduce to you all. Black Health has partnered with Planet Fitness to bring you today's conversation on creating equity in fitness. We all know Planet Fitness for their comfortable, safe, judgment-free gyms where everyone feels accepted and respected. But Planet Fitness also has a commitment to championing diversity, equity, and inclusion within their organization, clubs, and the communities they serve. As a part of this commitment, we are partnering with Planet Fitness to help increase education and awareness about racial disparities in physical activity, nutrition, and well-being, and break down physical fitness barriers, which is exactly what we'll be discussing on this podcast today. So to really help us dive into these topics, imagine new solutions, and learn about Planet Fitness's incredible health equity initiatives, we want to welcome our special guest, Teddy Savage. Thank you so much for having me. I welcome, Teddy. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank I'm excited you. to be here. We're excited to have you. So just to give y'all a brief introduction to Teddy, Teddy is the national lead trainer at Planet Fitness, as well as a certified fitness trainer who plays an integral role in fitness programming and support for all of his clubs nationwide. In addition to overseeing all of Planet Fitness trainers, he has also served as an instructor for Planet Fitness's United We Move, a digital at-home workout series designed to combat stress while keeping us all physically and mentally fit throughout the pandemic. That was necessary. <laughs> sure. Needed that. Needed. <laughs> After joining Planet Fitness as a trainer in 2011 at his local club and helping members with their fitness journeys, Teddy held a variety of in-club roles helping improve members' experiences before transitioning to Planet Fitness World Headquarters in 2020. Teddy is committed to doing his part to bring people joy and positivity through the power of fitness, education, and mental fortitude. Thank you so much again, Teddy, for being here. And we can't wait to talk to you more about how we can all build healthier communities together. But first, it's not a Black <laughs> Health podcast unless we do an icebreaker. So let's get to it. Yeah. We're going to do something a little different today, y'all. So I hope y'all are ready. I'm excited. We're going to play a little game. I'm ready to win. <laughs> I do not have a prize for you. <laughs> right. 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 There you go. I know that I win. So. <laughs> Well, it is called Myth or Fact, so pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Each you will have, I'll present you guys a statement, and you all have Myth or Fact signs, and I will read a statement, and you will hold up whether you think it is a fact or if it is a myth. Mm -hmm. And whoever guesses correctly the most will be crowned our winner. Yay. Everybody got what, it? Yeah. What did we, we win? Right. You win bragging right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they got home field advantage. <laughs> And don't be cheating looking at my screen, y'all. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, the first question or first statement. Myth or fact? Body mass index, also known as BMI, measures body fats. Myth. The correct answer is myth. Yeah, I didn't put myth. Oh, I put myth face in there. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Yes. So All right. All right, that is a myth. It is a myth because BMI does not measure body fat. It is merely a screening tool that gives someone an, an idea of how they compare to other healthy mm. adults. Skin fold, 
calipers, and uh-huh. circumference measurements, especially around a person's belly, allow doctors to evaluate body fat composition and location. So good job, y'all. Good job. Next one. Physical activity only improves a person's health if they do it for long periods of time. Myth or facts? Myth. Now I got my cards right. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all are all winners. That is a myth. You do not need to be active for long periods of time to get the recommended two hours and 30 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity each week. An example of this is just a brisk walk. You know, don't have to do too much. Just a little bit. Uh, you can spread these out over the week and even do short 10-minute spurts of activity three times a day or five or more days a week. So nothing too much, you know, just in between calls. Even if you're on a call, I like to do that sometimes. When I'm on a work call, I just go outside, take a little take walk. Take a walk? Yeah. yeah. That's not good. Get some fresh air. <laughs> Especially when the sun is shining. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get out the house. That works home. Get out, that's why you'd be out of breath on the calls. <laughs> Either that or I'm eating. (laughs) Next one. Fresh fruits and vegetables are healthier than canned, frozen, or dried varieties. It's a little tricky. Myth. Khadijah. Ooh, Mm -hmm. come on, girl. (laughs) She's correct. Despite the enduring belief that fresh is best, research has found that frozen, canned, and dried fruits and vegetables can be just as nutritious as their fresh counterparts. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And I feel like with canned, as long as it's not like in syrup, yeah, yeah, it's good. But actually, like um, frozen fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. are like frozen at at peak. peak see, yeah. Now, exactly. I can see that, but yeah. the canned also has preservatives. Yeah, it's got the sodium like in there, kind of decrease the, the freshness. Yeah, I'm questioning. That. Yeah, I'm gonna put a challenge plan on that one. I mean, you know, maybe we can put like a little ashes in our hands, but definitely frozen. I yeah, always keep yeah. them frozen. I always dry. keep frozen on the shelf in the freezer because fresh, you know, the way these groceries, they don't grocery like they used to. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Right now, Khadija's up. Mm. Woman power. <laughs> Physical inactivity is the fourth leading cause of death worldwide. Myth or fact? Physical inactivity is the fourth leading cause. I'm going to see. Khadija is our <laughs> That is a fact, baby. Approximately 3.2 million deaths each year are attributable to insufficient physical activity. Wow. People who are insufficiently physically active have a 20 to 30% increased risk of mortality compared to those who engage in at least 30 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity most days of the week. Yeah. So get the walking, y'all. Mm-hmm. Get those brisk walk in. Small, <laughs> like you said, small points, small portions. Exactly. That's all you need. Exactly. A little bit goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, don't have to overdo it. Yeah. So congratulations, Khadija. Thank you. You are. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <I did it. laughs> Ladies always leave from the front. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so... Khadijah, I'll drop it off to you to give us a little public health 101. No, that's a great transition. Um, And it wouldn't be Black health if we didn't provide some education and level setting on some key concepts related to health and wellness. Um, And we're here today because we want to better understand barriers and opportunities for fitness for Black communities. Um, So we want to go through just some key ideas that can really ground our conversation. 
Um, So the first concept that we wanted to talk about is social determinants of health. Um, So that is a concept, an idea that um, is really central to the field of public health and the work that we do. Um, So, and this probably could have been like a myth or myth or fact (laughs) option, but um, most of our health is not actually determined by um, our biology, our genetics, or even our behaviors. Most of our health is actually determined by um, the social and community conditions that we live, work, and play in. And so that's what social determinants of health are. There are those conditions, um, non-medical factors and conditions that directly impact our health. Um, Unfortunately, due to centuries of systemic and structural racism, Black communities live in conditions where we live, work, and play that are um, disproportionately exposed to health-harming factors. So like environmental toxins, um, food swamps, which we'll talk about um, later, um, while disproportionately um, having less access to health-promoting factors and resources. So like green spaces, places that we can walk and bike, um, and healthy food and vegetables. Um, so that's just something that we wanted to really ground our conversation in today, really understanding those community conditions um, and how those impact our opportunities for fitness. Yeah, and Khadija, you know, you talked about social determinants of health. And then like another concept that we talk a lot about in public health is health disparities and health equity. And so health disparities are preventable differences in the burden of disease, injury, violence, or opportunities to achieve optimal health that are experienced by socially disadvantaged communities. And the key word here is preventable because they don't have to exist and they don't just happen on their own. And so health disparities exist because certain groups of people, such as black people, are systemically denied opportunity to achieve optimal health due to racism and other past and present injustices. Mm. And so health equity, on the other hand, is defined as the state in which everyone has a fair and just opportunity to attain their highest level of health. And so we achieve health equity by addressing social determinants of health and these health disparities. And it also involves acknowledging and addressing racism as a threat to public health. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, when we think about tying this together, specifically with physical activity, uh, we know that physical activity has the opportunity to prevent a lot of chronic illness. Right. So Mm -hmm. when we think about diabetes, stroke, uh, hypertension, we know that being active. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I like to say being active rather than physical activity because it doesn't, you don't necessarily need to go to the gym. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We'll talk about that a little later right. as well. Um, but we know that it has a preventative factor, right? So, um, you know, we talked about, I think you said two and a half hours mm-hmm. um, of exercise or physical activity every week, um, broken up over a week. It could be 10 to 15 minute sessions. Mm-hmm. But what we've, what the data shows is that on average, um, black people are not getting as much physical activity as other groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I said somewhere between like 58% of black Mm. people aren't getting the physical activity that they should. While other groups, I think that average was more around 45 Mm. that weren't getting. Um, so that's what we, when we talk about disparities, as you mentioned earlier, you know, that's a disparity between two different groups that we see based on race. Mm. Um, and when we think about why that occurs, right, we're then talking about what Khadija was talking about earlier, 
those structural factors, those neighborhood factors mm-hmm. that make it easier, easier or more difficult for you to engage in physical activity. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about access to parks, mm-hmm. green spaces. We're thinking about the safety of your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things have a real factor on your ability to engage in activity. And what we see for large parts of the United States is that black communities and white communities are often living separately Mm -hmm. um, or segregated Mm -hmm. um, would be the right term for that. And so the quality of those neighborhoods can be really different based Mm -hmm. on um, the economic value of those neighborhoods. So the amount of money that's poured into there um, or again, just just differences based on, you know, community community value. So, um, you know, what we're really trying to talk about in this episode is. How do we help people improve, mm. um, improve on the way to physical fitness? Um, and then also, you know, thinking about the opportunities um, to think about nutrition yeah. and other things like that. And Teddy, I know you can talk a little bit about nutrition as well. Yeah. And, and, and in addition to our neighborhoods, really mm-hmm. determining like our physical activity, like you were just talking about, Matthew, they can also create barriers to nutrition, right? yeah. which we're just about to talk on. And, you know, with that, it can not only determine what you can have access to, but what you're inundated with, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's important that we understand we want to ingest as much nutrition-rich foods as we Mm -hmm. possibly can uh, that gives us the energy, right, to power through our day. We Mm -hmm. ask our bodies to do so much throughout the day, right? And especially if you don't have a lot of public transport in your vicinity, you're going to do a lot of walking. Mm -hmm. Or if uh, you're parking further away from the grocery store because the proximity isn't as close, you're going to require your body to expend more energy so you want what you put into your body to be able to provide that sort of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, right, historically, black and brown communities have limited access to those nutrient-rich foods, uh, which, again, create those barriers so households don't establish a healthy relationship to what they need in order to make the right decisions for their families. And that's more of a, an environmental yeah. thing than it is an uh, individual dilemma. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, really expanding on that, um, what you're speaking to is this concept of um, food swamps and Mm. food deserts. Mm -hmm. And so because of systemic racism, black populations are more likely to live in community conditions that have more food swamps and deserts. So um, a food desert, which may be a term folks may be more um, uh, informed about, um, is living in an area that lacks access Mm. to Um, nutritious food, um, affordable food. So I know um, when I'm in like predominantly black neighborhoods um, and go to the grocery store, the food is more expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's not um, by happenstance. That's that's, um, a design that way. Um, So food deserts are lack of access to um, healthy foods. Mm. Um, On the other side are food swamps. So black communities are also more likely to live in um, neighborhoods that are inundated with um, unhealthy food mm-hmm. um, and like consumption options. Yeah. So between like convenience stores mm. that only have packaged foods to um, more likely being in areas with um, tobacco products, mm. um, alcohol products, um, black communities are disproportionately um, living in areas um, that have those things, fast food. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those food swamps, food deserts, um, again, they're not happening happening out of nowhere. They're mm-hmm. by design. Mm-hmm. They are structurally determined. Um, and they all contribute to this um, last concept called a food apartheid. So mm-hmm. um, the systemic ways in which Black communities are denied um, abilities to access nutritious food mm-hmm. um, and have that support living a healthy life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's 
it's funny because I talk to my friends that are physicians or just, you know, generally into into wellness. And the two things that they always mention, right, is one, you want to make sure you have physical activity. Mm-hmm. We just outlined some of the barriers that communities have for accessing, you know, spaces for physical activity. And two, you want to make sure that stuff going into your body mm-hmm. is healthy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Those two factors have a real factor on your whether you're going to get sick, your long-term like ability to, to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what we've outlined is for Black communities, it's harder to really uh, have physical activity, eat nutritious foods. There are barriers to, to making those decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we hear a lot of people talk about how, you know, it's an individual decision. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be more active. You can right. eat healthier. Right. Um, but the way that we're designed, we're going to do what's easiest, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just the way that people are designed. And so... Um, if it's easy for me to walk down the street and grab, you know, the can, the, uh, we just said canned goods are fine. We grab the uh, <laughs> package stuff. You know, the packaged goods with, you know, the preservatives mm-hmm. over, over salted, sure. mm-hmm. um, then I'm going to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, hot chips or whatever. Um, but if, you know, we got to make it the easy decision, the smart decision, mm-hmm. or the healthy decision. And I think. You know, that's the importance of the structural determinants. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, knowing what we know about the racial differences in physical activity, access to healthy, nutritious foods, you know, I want to talk about solutions, right? Yeah. We can't we can't stay on problems. <laughs> Let's talk about how we how we solve this, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when we think about problems, we're often thinking about this social ecological model um, or socio-ecological model. We'll put that on the screen for folks to see as well. Um, but really it's about there are different levels at which we can intervene, right? Mm-hmm. right? So you have the individual level, um, which people normally think about behaviors. We have relationships, we have community, and then we have the societal factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we see is that factors at different levels have an influence mm-hmm. on people's ability to be healthy. Right. Um, and so interventions need to think about all of those levels when we, when we want to design uh, how we solve these problems. Uh, so Teddy, I have a question for you yeah. as we think through uh, how we can support people in being healthier, living more uh, active, active lives. You know, what are your some of some of your strategies for empowering people to improve their fitness? Um, and how do you do the work that you do? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. And, and I and I feel like, you know, for me personally, it goes back to my mom. You know, and it goes back to the work that she did in a, in, in our community from being a preacher. You know, and, and her message was all about being in tune with who you are spiritually. And she used to always say, she's like Teddy. You know, you're going to grow up and, and be a preacher, too. You're going to walk in my footsteps. But I knew that wasn't that wasn't my calling. But what I found was that through being a trainer, I could in, inspire people and empower people, encourage people, motivate people to really understand the greatness within themselves. And instead of seeking that external validation, being confident and comfortable with who they are. Right. And and it's different because as a trainer, you can not only teach and guide, but you can work alongside the individual. And so my way to solve this, right, like, like you said, Matthew, we can't focus on a problem if we want to move the needle. We got to really focus on a solution. And so at Planet Fitness, right, we understand that people come to fitness for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not just about building muscle or toning up or getting stronger. Sometimes it's about being connected to a community, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it's about, I just need my mood to be better, right? And, and all of those different factors come to play because our population is so different, right? At Planet Fitness... We have so many different kinds of individuals. So you got to first be an active listener, right? And really be an empathetic listener to creating a judgment-free type of platform where you can just be vulnerable. Like, I want people to tell me. Are there things that may prevent you from doing what you need to do, 
writer? Or do you live in a food swamp or a food desert? And that be a variable within that equation that we need to solve, right? And, and that's important because if I just come to a general sense of, hey, I just want you to do X, Y, and Z, but X, Y, and Z isn't attainable for you, it's probably going to do more harm than it is good, right, at the end of the day. Uh, the next thing I, I tell people is this. Fitness has to be reframed. A lot of times we, we look at exercise and we think, like, yeah, it's about dumbbells. It's about lifting things. It's yeah. about running on the treadmill until I, I can't run anymore. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, but what that is is a means to something tangible where I want to reframe it as being a conduit, a connector piece to a holistic sense of health and wellness, to improving your overall quality of life. Because if the life you live isn't enjoyable to you, then what's the purpose of getting stronger in the first place, right? And so when you reframe it in that way, you start to think of the journey, right? And every day and everybody's uh, fitness journey is going to be unique to them. And what I tell people all the time is that instead of seeking perfection in your journey, seek progress. You know, just... 1% more today than you did the day before. Mm -hmm. And whatever that 1% looks like to you, Mercy, or you, Matthew, or you, Khadija, it could be walking an extra mile, or it could be doing an extra rep. It could be carrying the groceries instead of having little Matthew when you were a kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> Carry the groceries for you. <laughs> but, but truly understanding that your journey is different and, and that the beauty in it comes in the progress, not the perfection. The next thing is really leaning into not the physical fitness, the physical benefits of it, right? But more like the mental health component as well. And, and when you think about that, like when you go and you do a workout, like at a Planet Fitness, you always leave feeling better than you did when you came in. Like no doubt about it. And, and it's not just because you put on some magic potion and, you know, everybody in there was high-fiving you, which happens, right? At Planet Fitness, because we are a community, everybody's feeling good about the other person, but it's because when you work out and you move and groove, your brain is releasing neurotransmitters called endorphins, right? And those neurotransmitters are the body's natural mood enhancers and energy boosters. So you, you just feel like you could take on whatever the day has. You know, but another barrier, and we're talking about barriers because we have to, yeah. you have to really uh, identify them and overcome them. Myths about exercise and fitness has what kept people from joining a gym for a long time. Miss like it takes 90 minutes to do a workout or it doesn't count or it has to hurt to work, right? Or, you know, if it's not hurting, it's not working. You know, that kind of stuff is what becomes intimidating and, and makes exercise a chore and not a choice. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people feel like they have to fit into what somebody told them conventionally. But what I said is I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be unique. I want it to be colorful, right? So, so basically... I want you to be more Picasso than you are paint by numbers, right? And, and, and you think about, right? You think of Bob Ross back in the day. You guys know Bob Ross, right? Yeah, with the fro, with the fro. And then a happy tree over here and a, and a nice spring over there. Like your fitness should be the same way. Happy burpees there, right? And, and, and nice lunges over there, right? Curious cardio and things. And I say all of that because at the end of the day, you should be able to create your picture of health and wellness instead of it trying to be what somebody else's is. And, and at the end of the day, again, at Planet Fitness, it's not just about the fact that we're offering a non-intimidating environment. It's also about showing you that this is a community you belong to. No matter if where you live 
creates this barrier, whether it's a food swamp or a food desert. When you come in here, we're going to help you mm-hmm. and invest in that. So that's what I would say from a solution standpoint, from what I like to do as a trainer. And again, mom was wrong about where I was going to do it from, <laughs> not behind the pulpit, but I'm going to do it from the gym. Hey, you still preach it, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I meant to say this earlier, but first of all, the name Teddy Savage as a trainer name is just a great name. So I don't know if anybody's ever said that, but I, just, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, it's meant, for, meant to be where you're at, man. Um, but I, I like the connection that you that you started to build there between mm. fitness and nutrition. You talked about food swamps and food deserts. Yeah. Would love for you to lean in a little bit there to talk about, you know, how fitness is linked to nutrition mm. um, and how those two really um, are one and the same, go hand in hand. For sure, for sure. And when, when it comes, Matthew, when it comes to nutrition, right, it, it's really about understanding what it does for you internally, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and I know we, we like to say at Planet Fitness, we really believe in that big fitness energy, that feeling that you get through a great workout. But you can only ask your body to do certain things if you fuel it in a certain kind of a way. Mm-hmm. And, but the nutritional component can be inundating when you think about it's not only nutrition, but it's how often you're sleeping and how long you're sleeping. Uh-huh. It's how much water you're intaking. It's the physical activity component of it. But when you think about it, I want you guys and everybody out there to think about it as a puzzle, right? When you first get a puzzle, the first thing you do is you dump all of the pieces out on the table. And if you just look at all of the pieces, you're like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. But then the next thing you do is you stand up the front of that box and you see the full landscape. Uh-huh. And you're like, okay, now I know what I'm trying to create, that makes each individual piece have its own meaning. And though it's uniquely shaped, because each shape is shaped differently, it all connects. So when we think, when you think about nutrition, let's think about it as puzzle pieces. The first puzzle piece let's talk about is protein. Right? Proteins are the building blocks of your muscle fibers. So that's why it's super important to ingest protein after a workout. right? Because if you're working out, what you're really doing is creating minuscule tears within your muscle fibers that then rebuild and become leaner, longer, stronger, and sometimes grow in mass. Protein is what does that for you, right? So some great sources of protein would be skinless um, or white flesh fish, skinless poultry, um, lean cuts of red meat like loin and round. But there's also meat less alternatives. Some people don't like eating meat, right? So you can, you can get that through low-fat dairy products, cottage cheese, things of that nature, even nuts. The next one is carbs. I know a lot of people are like, Stay away from carbs, right? <laughs> I'm not going to eat a bagel. I'm right. not going to eat not a grain of rice. I haven't had a carb since elementary school, you know? Love carbs. <laughs> a good carb is great, right? But the thing about carbs is it's our energy source, yep. right? It really fuels your body with the energy to allow your bodily functions to do what it needs to do, even breathing, right? It's even uh, allowing your cardiac muscle to expand and contract to supply oxygenated blood to the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some healthy carbs would be brown rice, quinoa, lentils, things like that. So carbs might not be the feature attraction of the mm-hmm. plate, but it's going to be a co-star, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be a great co-star. And lastly, and I say this one for last, right? We're talking about the puzzle pieces. They got to fit fats. Everybody thinks of fats as having a bad rep. Right? I don't want fat. I'm trying to lose fat. Mm-hmm. But there are some good fats that your body needs. Saturated fats, like they contain omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids that allow your body to metabolize foods. They help with cognitive brain function and enhance memory. Those things are super important. 
like salmon, avocado, almonds, those kinds of things. So again, to answer your, your question, Matthew, nutrition is one of the most important fundamental building blocks of holistic health and wellness. But instead of thinking about it as I need to start eating healthy, think about the individual puzzle pieces and how it connects for you. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off script. I like that. Uh, leaning into <laughs> nutrition, I think, you know, I think eating consistently that way, I think, can be intimidating yeah. to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I would love to hear just some of your recommendations on, you know, how to start incorporating that. I think you talked about the puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, we're in Atlanta. I love a good chicken wing. It's going to have the skin on. It's going to be fried. Covered in sauce. Yeah. So like, what what does that balance look like um, between, you know, maybe your more unhealthy foods and, yeah. and sort of your core diet? And that's a great question, right? Because we, we want everything within our wellness to be balanced, right? Everything within our daily lives to be balanced. And, a, and the most important part about it is be judgment free with that as well. Give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Understand that you don't have to be, quote unquote, perfect in your endeavors to eat healthier. You're going to be able to enjoy that. It should be fulfillment, right? As long as you're doing it and understanding what's going to happen inside your body. So if you're going to eat that fried chicken piece, but it still also has the poultry in it, you're still going to get some of that positive as well, right? So so understand, like, it's not the bad that we should focus on, but instead the balance of the good and the bad. and, And take incremental steps. So... I would say to that, try to do something where on on a Sunday, you say, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm just going to start my day eating breakfast first, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of times I we're like, right? <laughs> we're like, man, I got to go to that meeting, right? I'm out of here. I, I'm running a little late for work. I got to get out of here. And they say breakfast is the most important part of the day. And that's true because your body is going to be in motion almost throughout the rest of that day until you come back home. So just say, I'm going to start doing that first. Next, please hydrate your body, right? So often we don't start drinking water until we're dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And that's your body is already in a, in a bad state at that point. So just sip on water throughout the day and it'll help your food to digest and increase your metabolic rate, which will help you to burn fat more efficiently. And then lastly, try to eat smaller meals mm-hmm. throughout your day. Try to eat smaller meals. And that means that, you know, you're going to be more mindful of the portion size. Because if you're only eating two times a day, you're probably going to overeat when you do. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just important to say, okay, cool. First of all, I don't need to be perfect yeah. <laughs> in my efforts. Secondly, I'm going to give myself grace. And then lastly, I'm just going to start my day off with a victory eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. And the rest will kind of build from there. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. No, that's really good points. Moderation, mm-hmm. being judgment-free. Um, I think those are great values. They're progress, not perfection. There you progress, go. not perfection. Mm-hmm. Mercy. Listen. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I heard you talk about this, uh, get into this point. I know this mm. is important for you as well. We'd love to really hear you talk about the mental aspect as well, right? For how sure. How fitness, physical health uh, really influences mental health. Um, if you have any reflections from your personal journey, but then I think also just widely um, how that how those two things relate. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I had to go back to the reason why people come into the gym and it being different in a lot of ways. And the first thing that you have to do before you start a physical journey is to make the mental choice to start. Yeah. I always say that's the hardest move to make is the first move. Mm-hmm. 
right? And when you do actually start moving, and we talked about it a little bit before, your brain is releasing those neurotransmitters like your serotonin, your endorphins. Well, at the same time, that's boosting your energy and giving you those sustainable forces to be able to do what you need to do in your journey. It's also reducing stress and anxiety. And I mean, raise your hand if you deal with stress, right? We we all deal with stress. <laughs> I, 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 I was and that's that's really what comes into play when you're talking about improving your overall quality of life. It's not necessarily the fact that you want to see the scale decrease. It's not necessarily that you want that set of pants to fit better, right? It's I want to be, better cope with my stress yeah. and my anxiety levels and the stuff that comes at me in my day to day. And when you move your body, your brain is starting to do that for you. And what happens is when you start making that movement a habit, those releases start becoming more efficient. And so now you're feeling like that throughout the day. You're better suited to combat the stress mm -hmm. proactively upstream before it gets to the downstream. So, and you asked for a personal uh, question or testimonial, I should say. I mean, when I first started training, I was so excited, man. Because like <laughs> I said, I told her, I was like, ma, this is what I'm going to do. Started training, and I sat down with a couple, and and the couple was uh, newlyweds, and they were new parents, right? So that I mean that's exciting stuff in your life, right? But at the same time, it's also a stressful part of your life as well. And on top of that, they they were deconditioned. They were they both both were deconditioned individuals, and the stress at that point comes into it's always going to be like. It's always going to be like this. And they were, they were moved to the, put, to the point of tears because they couldn't play with their daughter without taking frequent breaks, mm -hmm. right? And so what happens is my physical state and my mental state when I'm deconditioned at that point is a barrier that seems insurmountable. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I say seems because not only do we create solutions in our mind, we create barriers in our mind as yep. well. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we created a sustainable plan together as a team. Instead of me saying, this is what you're going to do, right? I said, what do you feel like we can do together? And we started integrating activities, right, that you can do with your loved one, your partner. That's another thing about fitness that I want to make sure that we bring up. It doesn't have to be an individual pursuit either. Right. It should be something that you do with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your spouses, your coworkers, and things like that. Because we create happier environments in that way. We talked about nutrition. What things are attainable to you that you feel like we can substitute for what you may be doing already? Mm -hmm. and, and then I let them create that dialogue. And then lastly, they found that they had the energy. They had the energy mentally right, to be able to do what they thought they couldn't. Yeah. And so it was important to be able to draw the connection between mind and body and understanding how physical activity and mental health go hand in hand and how stress and anxiety, while you feel it every single day, doesn't have to be a mountain that you can't overcome. You know, so that's what I would say when I'm talking about that link between mind and body and how physical activity can help you in that way. Yeah, I love that. You got me fired up, Teddy. I missed my workout this morning. Now I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym. Change the whole form. You know? And you've talked a lot about just like the importance of community mm -hmm. and, you know, working out doesn't have to be something that you do by yourself. And sure. so that really kind of touches on like the next part of the social ecological model, which is focused around community and like mm. those community-based solutions. And so... 
you know, again, like you were just saying, you know, being active in a group with your friends, you know, can be ways to make that as a shared activity and a bonding experience. Uh So it's not just uh, me against these weights by Mm. myself. And so, you know, I think um, we can even push this idea further where we create different groups that center people with disabilities Mm. or certain chronic conditions just to ensure that those types of activities are accessible and inclusive and appropriate for all different types of people. And, you know, also we can think about just having more community organizations and locations where we can provide access to safe spaces mm. where people can be physically active, such as walking trails, mm. different indoor facilities, parks, playgrounds, um, just that are away from busy streets and unsafe areas, um, especially in neighborhoods where Black and other marginalized communities tend to live. And so these health and fitness facilities provide indoor opportunities to be physically active. And so I know Planet Fitness is a great example (laughs) um, of organization that is doing this work very well with affordable pricing model and having their clubs located in low income communities. And so I know Planet Fitness also has a few other initiatives to really support community health. And so could you just tell us about some of those programs and how they work to help people improve their fitness and well-being? For sure, for sure. And, and community involvement is, you know, our top priority, mm-hmm. right? We we are a You Belong community. And within our clubs, you'll be able to see that manifest itself through ethnic diversity, mm-hmm. body diversity, age diversity, male-female diversity. And it, it goes uh, hand in hand with some of those efforts that we do, our philanthropic efforts mm-hmm. by our partnership with the Boys and Girls Clubs of America and creating what we call the judgment-free generation. Because when you think about it, habits don't start at an older age. They start at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so not only do they have to deal with inactivity and what's going on right now with technology and uh, the reduction of physical um, activity or education programs in schools, they deal with bullying Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So we partnered up with the Boys and Girls Clubs of America to create anti-bullying endeavors and Mm -hmm. solutions and projects where we've actually uh, donated $9 million in our causes in partnership with the BGCA on Mm -hmm. a national level. We've opened 40 mini judgment-free zones where we put uh, basically a small-scale Planet Fitness in a uh, Boys and Girls Club facility Mm -hmm. and provide the youth and young adults who many of them come from underrepresented communities Mm -hmm. with a safe space to move their body to improve their mental health, to understand how you can do that constructively instead of choosing maybe some of the wrong things to do. So we're super proud of those efforts and being able to touch lives on a small scale, right? But mm-hmm. it's not just nationally for us. We, mm-hmm. Even though we care about that the larger scale, we are also very active on a local scale as well. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, we did a judgment-free or we went to a, um, a mini JFZ here in the Decatur area mm-hmm. and... Uh, it was awesome being able to connect with the youth and young adults in that facility in itself and just see how they care yeah. about sincerity and mm-hmm. organic care, right? Yeah. And in addition to that, we went to uh, Dorchester, which is in Boston, yeah. one mm-hmm. of the biggest neighborhoods in Boston. You guys ever been to Boston before? No. Never been to Boston. Been so been if you do... Boston a few times. Go to <laughs> Dorchester, right? It's a great neighborhood. But we went there. I partnered up with a couple of my colleagues and we went there for what we call Flexing for Good which is a month of voluntary efforts. And through that, uh, we had a record day where we went. It was about 100 kids. And just going there and seeing the delight on their faces, being able to be uh, elbow to elbow with kids that are in that judgment-free generation was awesome because 
if I'm saying we're a you belong community and we're judgment free, then I want to be able to see that come to life in the lives of the youth and young adults. Mm -hmm. And as they grow older in high school, it's even harder. Yeah. Right. You you could remember in high school, everything that you you probably shouldn't have done was at your disposal. <laughs> right. And, and at that and, time, you and looks really, really fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you really needed somebody to say, no, don't go left. Go right. Yeah. You know, don't zig. You need to zag right here. And so what we did, it was created the high school summer pass program, which gives uh, high school age students between the ages of 14 and 19 free access to our gyms the whole summer. Right. Oh, wow. And so it was super important for us to understand if we don't do that, they're not only not going to have physical education in their schools, but they're also not going to have a means to channel their energy in a constructive manner. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then lastly, we understand through COVID. Right. COVID showed us one with isolation comes a lot of stress and anxiety. Yep. Right. Two. Again, your fitness doesn't always have to go into a gym in order for it to be activated. So we created, or we didn't create, but we added more resources to our Planet Fitness app. And we like to call it the judgment-free zone in your pocket. Because no matter where you are, you can take your phone out, go to the Planet Fitness app, and there's tons of content that we created mindfully around people who may have disabilities or ailments or in their lower body. We've got chair workouts. We've got different trainers with different diversities in terms of ethnicity, body type, age. All of the things that we want to represent is there, you know. Again, mindfully, we created a solution within our app. It's called a scan and learn feature. Each one of our pieces of equipment has a QR code on it. You scan that QR code, up pops a tutorial video that shows you how to use it, how to get set up on it, and it's tips and tricks on how to make the most out of that experience. And so uh, I think through all of that combined, it's just a really good example of like you were talking about, Mercy, with what are we doing from a larger scale all the way down to a local scale, all the way down to a digital scale. We're solving the problem that we're talking about right now with health disparities. Yeah, that yeah, that's amazing. And um, all the work Planet Fitness is doing um, with meeting people where they're at. Yeah, um, that's really core to what Black Health does and really advancing health equity. So that's really great to hear. Um, all those initiatives. And thank you guys for the work that you guys are doing. I mean, it <laughs> makes a difference. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I think that we need more of this. We need to yeah. cultivate more of this so that we can grow solutions more so than we do problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about um, individual level solutions. Mm. So individual level changes in knowledge, attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, um, we've talked about organizational level solutions, community level solutions, and all the work Planet Fitness is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so lastly, we wanted to move um, upstream. It was huh. really, I was excited you said that term yeah. upstream. <laughs> <laughs> Public health term. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's really thinking about um, how in order to address structural barriers mm. to fitness and health in Black communities, we need structural level solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, so we need policy systems change solutions. Mm. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about um, that like macro level um, systems change um, and what's happening in different um, local cities mm -hmm. um, across the U.S. to um, address uh, structural barriers to help that black communities experience. Mm. Um, so we had a couple examples um, that we want to share of different um, policy solutions that um, local like community cities can make um, to really improve 
um, access to um, fitness and um, being able to be active mm. and healthy food access um, for black communities. Mm. Um, so the first is 15 minute cities. Okay. Have y'all okay. heard of that before? First time. It was no. a new term to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, 15 minute city. What's that? Yeah. Um, so the idea of a 15 minute city is um, it's an urban design model where um, uh, where you live. Um, so again, your social determinants, like where you live, work, play um, is everything is within a 15 minute walk or mm. bike ride okay. or public transit. So those are that's called a- active transit. Mm, gotcha. um, so um, being able to go to a grocery store, get fresh food, uh, fruits and vegetables, you could walk or bike within 15 minutes, being able to find somewhere to um, work out, mm. to mm. go to school, to go to work, um, all within a 15-minute walk. <laughs> um, so that's one strategy. And I, like I know it. in Atlanta, I, I would love I would love that. I feel like where you live, Matthew, is no. kind of 15-minute. I feel like Atlanta is a 15-minute drive city, like where everything is 15 minutes. Every minute. <laughs> yeah. 15 minute drive, <laughs> including the grocery minute. store, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> our neighborhood is a bit more walkable. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that comes with gentrification and, mm-hmm. and we yeah. sure. talk about that too. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, a 15 minute drive and like single occupancy vehicles right. isn't the most accessible. Right. <laughs> Stress, Urban stressful design. and traffic. Absolutely. Right. Right. It's traffic. Yes. <laughs> In Atlanta. Yes. Um, so a second example of um, some like city level solutions is um, community driven food justice initiatives mm. that are happening um, in different cities across the country. Um, so one of them is in many Minneapolis. Mm. Um, so within their um, city level strategic plan, they really wanted to focus on increasing access to healthy food, affordable food. Okay. Um, so they've really been investing um, at the policy level in um getting um, resources and funding um, and support to um, mobile food markets and community Mm. gardens um, and mobile food pantries and food shelves and really thinking about um, more accessible ways that um, community members in Minneapolis can access um, healthy and affordable foods, um, fruits and vegetables and food. Um, So bringing it to them. Exactly. I like that. Yes, yes. Um, and then our last example, um, and then I'm going to ask Matthew Mercy, <laughs> um, is yes. the Atlanta Beltline. Mm. Um, so the Atlanta Beltline is designed to connect neighborhoods across Atlanta, um, try to address some of our barriers to 15-minute <laughs> <laughs> cities that we currently experience here. Um, improve um, active transportation. So again, walkability, biking, bike trails, um, add more parks and green spaces, Mm. um, and also infuse um, and showcase art and culture. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a 22-mile trail, like mixed-use area where um, folks can um, uh, be physically active, be like uh, in community and groups, uh, from young folks to older folks, mm. um, access um, different food options, mm. um, and um, just uh, create more of a healthy uh, community. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask um, the Atlanta natives, happy <laughs> <and> mercy, <laughs> um, just like what your experience has been um, with the Beltline, like good and bad, 
Um, and then also just in general, like shifts in the city that you've seen, um, also good and bad around um, uh, creating more opportunities or creating more barriers to um, health and wellness for Black folks. Oh, you looked at you looked at me. I just got both so excited. Like, like, Lena, if you wanted to start, I no, can go start. ahead. Ladies first. Thank you. <laughs> um, I like the idea of the belt, yeah, right, <laughs> and like what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I've had great times on the belt line. The belt line is awesome, but unfortunately, the downside of what I've seen with the belt line is that the neighborhoods where the belt line is that it was the low income areas that mm-hmm. was supposed to connect mm-hmm. all those people have gotten pushed out yeah mm. so i live in edgewood edgewood is right along the belt line edgewood used to be a predominantly low income black neighborhood mm-hmm. the street i live on now is full of gentrified homes i live in a gentrified home <laughs> <laughs> um and you know the the homes range on my block start at like half a million dollars mm. yeah so it's like the people that used to live there they can't afford to live there. they're like a two older black people that still live on my street in their homes and they're just like barely can afford their property taxes because mm. they went from paying like a few hundred dollars a year in property tax to thousands of dollars mm. yeah and so you know it's a struggle for them to like keep their home but they this is where they've been for 40 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so they've seen that neighborhood change so much and they're like you know all of the stuff they're bringing into the neighborhood is great this is mm-hmm. stuff that we wanted in our community for years and could never get but now that there's the belt line and now there's different population moving in mm-hmm. people with higher incomes it's like so now what what do yeah. we do mm-hmm. so it's unfortunate in that sense that I think the people that it was made to benefit aren't able to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't have much to answer that. I I work out on the Beltline. I run on the Beltline. Um, in the West End, I find that um, it's a, sm- a more slowly gentrifying neighborhood, but still mm-hmm. gentrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Marcy's exactly right. You know, we got to think about who who we innovate for, mm. who we yeah. provide solutions for. Mm. Um, and so often that's driven by capital, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we want to innovate where play, people can pay, mm-hmm. but we know that low-income communities often don't have extra income mm-hmm. to be able to pay and access services. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to incentivize <clears throat> uh, community interventions mm-hmm. that aren't mm-hmm. driven around capital, mm-hmm. uh, but just driven around the ability to provide services, care, opportunities for fitness for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Love the Beltline. I think it's been great for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I think generally the city, um, and I think probably across the country, we have to decide how we're going to invest in communities um, and be sure that they can be able to have the same access to nutrition, health, wellness that we provide for communities who have high income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And um, I think you brought up a great point in terms of um, just the idea of equity. And if we're mm-hmm. designing um, uh, systems, policy level, structural changes, um, that aren't improving access to opportunities for health for everyone, mm. then we're never going to achieve health equity. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, Teddy, <laughs> <laughs> you are from... I'm from Baltimore. Born and raised in Baltimore. Born and raised. Born and raised, yes. <laughs> so, uh, we'd love to hear, we talked a bit about Atlanta, so we'd love to hear mm. about your local context, um, some of the structural barriers and then um, solutions that have been going on in Baltimore 
around um, just increasing access to health and wellness for Black folks? Yeah, for sure. And and it's a great question. And I appreciate you for allowing me to share about Baltimore because I, I, I've i heard about the Beltline and how, <laughs> how great it is. And I've visited the Pont City Market and stuff like that. <clears throat> but I would not be able to go back into Charm City if I didn't talk about it. So uh, uh, I can say when I when I grew up, when I grew up in Baltimore City, it was always something to do. You would go outside and it was and it was electric. Right. If he was playing freeze tag jumping rope, playing ball, all of the things. It was rec centers on every other block in the community. And sports programs were thriving, right? Mm. Thriving. Mm. Um, Nowadays, you you don't see that. Mm. You know, you don't see rec centers at all anymore. You don't see um, programs that are created to provide resources for families as prevalently as you saw them before. Mm. Um, you don't see any community outreach programs that talk about the things that we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. educating around proper nutrition mm-hmm. and physical activity being a means to help with your mental stress. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of that is the reason why people do the things that they're doing, placing themselves in inauspicious situations mm-hmm. because of the mental barriers that they're that they're dealing with. Um, but I am encouraged by what I'm seeing now with mm-hmm. certain uh, programs being kicked off and, and certain uh, foundations being created. So we have a, a GLOW program, which is the Green Mount Life Opportunity and Wellness Program mm. that they started in the east side of Baltimore in the Green Mount uh, area where I'm from in the east side of Baltimore. And they're, they're really centered around the family unit, mm. right? And we know how important that is in the black community. The family unit is the most important and the most attacked, mm-hmm. right? And so... We, we needed programs to fortify the nucleus of that place for us in our society, in our communities. Mm-hmm. And the GLOW program is doing that. Funded by Johns Hopkins. Uh, and, and, you know, Johns Hopkins is a huge name nationally when it comes to providing health care. Mm-hmm. And so you know that they're going to have all of the resources they need to be able to provide the, the resources that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's great. It's great to see that. Right. Especially, like I said, I'm from the east side of Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not all like it is on the wire. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that. <laughs> let me make sure I say that. Right. Uh, the next one is the John W. Brick um, Mental Health Foundation. Mm-hmm. We all know someone or or deal with it ourselves in terms of an element of mental health, mm-hmm. right? Uh, whether it be through stress and anxiety or there other mental health disorders. Mm-hmm. And so we need foundations to show how exercise is a healthy alternative and getting on medication mm-hmm. and, and medications becoming a dependency. Mm-hmm. And so we needed foundations to be able to show that mm-hmm. and teach that and manifest that really. And uh, JWB Mental Health Foundation is doing that in Baltimore and the surrounding areas, helping people instead of being hospitalized and institutionalized, mm-hmm. you can come to this foundation and we can show you how you can move your body mm-hmm. and become healthier physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been a part of their Move Your Mental Health um, activity, which is 10 days of 10 minutes of workouts by 10 different trainers starting on October the 1st and leading all the way up to October the 10th with the World, World uh, Mental Health Day. And it's awesome, right? We talk about, really cool. we, yeah, yeah. We talk about uh, being colorful and courageous and coloring outside the lines. And let me tell you, I'm definitely more Bob Ross than I am. <laughs> <by now. laughs> I'm going to make the fitness fun, right? I'm going to make it fun. And I think that it's a perfect representation of what it can look like. And it doesn't take all day, just mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Um, and, and then lastly, it's like expos. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to have a brick and mortar, mm-hmm. right? You don't necessarily have to have a government funded 
foundation or something mm-hmm. like that to do something good for the community. Mm-hmm. And and we have a um a World Health Expo mm-hmm. that we have in Baltimore get or a Healthy Fit Expo I should say, mm-hmm. and it's coming up on February the tenth. Okay. Right, starts at four p.m. and it's at the convention center. So if you're in Baltimore. Uh, don't worry about the crab cakes on that day. <laughs> and I know it's hard to do. Say no to the crab cake and come on down to the, the health expo because there is going to be entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's going to be encouragement. It's going to be community activities that are good for the youth as well as the parents. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be passing out information to you. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I want to focus on is not everything has to be transactional. Mm-hmm. We yeah. live in such a transactional society where, hey, you can get this, if you do that first, right? right? And, and this is a good place where you don't have to worry about that. Like it's freely given to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I'm encouraged about what's going on in Baltimore. Um, I know the city is is going through some things right now, as is a lot of big metropolitan areas, which you guys talked about with gentrification yeah. and creating those um, more efficient ways to bring health and fitness to people. And so my hope and my prayers is that Baltimore stays on this line mm-hmm. of positivity. You guys come on down. Right, we can yeah. share in some seafood, but we're gonna get some fitness in, and we're gonna get some mental health in as well. Love awesome. it, yeah. that's up our alley. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was a great episode, y'all. I, I really love the conversation. Teddy learned so much from you. Thank you. Um, again, thank you. you got me piped up. I'm gonna go work out. <laughs> Um, and thank you to our listeners. We hope that you really enjoyed this episode. And again, a big thank you to Teddy uh, for your insights today. I really loved just what you said about really the thing that I stuck with me the most is just that progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, just being able to just approach it every day, just doing mm-hmm. something a little bit better than you did the day before and give yourself grace because you're not mm-hmm. perfect. And mm-hmm. so I really love that. Absolutely. And um, we also want to thank the team at Planet Fitness for the work that they are doing to improve equity inclusivity and access to safe places to exercise for so many people and for being a supportive partner to Black health and our mission to disrupt systemic racism to improve the health of Black communities everywhere. So make sure you follow Black Health on Instagram and everywhere else on social media. It is B-L-K-H-L-T-H There is no space. (laughs) No space at all. No vowels. One more more time. (laughs) B-L-K-H-L-T-H all over the socials. Um, Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you watch, listen to podcasts. We are also on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So thank you all and talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Peace.